This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Music Buzz Podcast. Buzz Podcast features candid discussions with and about those behind the scenes in the music business, including industry veterans representing the segments of musician, design, and live. All three Music Buzz Podcast hosts have spent their careers working with the biggest names in entertainment and have been and are still a fly on the wall. Dan Clark as the drummer for John Mellencamp's band for over 20 years and various solo projects. Hugh Sign, a world-renowned graphic artist for the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business. Now let's buzz. Hello and welcome back to the Music Buzz podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andy Wilson, along with Dane Clark. How's it going, Dane? Great, Andy. How are you today? I'm good. And also Hugh Sign. Hey, Hugh. Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm well. Today we welcome to the Music Buzz, Todd Snyder. Todd is truly one of a one of a kind. Hello, Todd, <laughs> and has long been recognized as one of his generation's most gifted and engaging touring musicians and singer songwriters. Todd is in his element when performing live, <clears throat> taking audience requests and sharing stories and performing songs from his extensive catalog, including uh, latest studio album First Agnostic Church of Hope and Wonder. Great album. Thank you. As well as many, many others over the past, what, I don't know how many years, and, and 20 plus studio albums, live albums, you name it. Um, he's rubbed shoulders and worked with the likes of John Prine and Jimmy Buffett, Chris Christofferson, Billy Joe Shaver, Jerry Jeff Walker, and many more. He's a true storyteller and performer and the pride of Oregon. Please welcome to the Music Buzz, Todd Snyder. Wow, that was great. Shit. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, y'all. Yeah, man. We're glad you're here, man. Yeah. So I can. And uh, Dan, please tell your tell John Mellencamp that I just really admire all his work and he, his producing work too, and uh, just the stuff he says about records. You know, I just think I'd really get along with him. I met him one time and thought he was just such a cool, no bullshit cat. Well, you, uh, I actually met you when we played, and I can't remember the year. It was when we played the Austin City Limits building where they... Uh, yeah, that's that's the night I got to meet him. That's right. Uh, that was something. Fuck, what was that? I can't... Well, we, it was just a show for us, but you were down there 
I can't remember what you said you were doing, but I think maybe you had played that night also, maybe? Yeah, I, yeah. you know what it was? My friend Jack Ingram has a benefit concert every year. And they, uh, yeah. And so I went and I played, I think I played a couple before you guys, you know. I think that's maybe what you did. And, uh, yeah. But you came back and you must have met with John. I wasn't, didn't witness that, but you came back and hung out in the band's dressing room for a little bit, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was thrilled to see that. Yeah, yeah didn't I, don't I know somebody in the band, maybe? Well, I, I, I think so. I mean, was I, I'm trying to remember, was Andy York your buddy from the band? Maybe so. And then, isn't Michael there one guy, who's Michael the guy that's been in it really long? Michael Wanchek, is that what you're going to say? Mike Wanchek. Yeah. yeah, that may be, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Mike's still in the band. Yeah. Yep, Mike's still there. Yeah, we're what a band, man. But uh, but anyway, yeah, we met, and uh, I wanted to say about uh, your new. I mean, you know, man. For one thing, I mean, uh, you know, I'm singer songwriter myself on the side when I can, and have seven records out. But dude, just the amount of material that you've been able <laughs> to put out was incredible, and the quality is incredible. And I want oh, to man. talk specifically about your new record. I'm a I'm a huge fan of of lyricists that have really have something to say, and uh, you're one of those guys. And you know, back in the day, you know, Bob Dylan used to have catchphrases that were almost like I think you could look them up, and they would be phrases that you know the populace knows, like "to live outside the law, you must be honest." Uh, yeah, you don't need a and you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Yeah, follow, even the follow, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't follow leaders. Watch the party. Yeah. Well, man, you've got a bunch of those yourself just on this new record. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, man, I dove into this thing, and it's like, uh, uh, turn me loose. If faith moves mountains, what's it take to leave them alone? Alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they get around just fine. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. And thank you. Everybody listen to uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, it, which drifts upon a sea of indifference. How great yeah. that is. Nobody really, you know, it doesn't seem like much of the world really cares about what's going on with that. Right. Uh, right. I mean, thank you for noticing I, that, man. Yeah, we should. And we should be paying attention. And you're trying to get people's attention with these songs. Another one of those lines that I really liked was Handsome John. I didn't know him as well as I tell everyone I did. What a great line, man. Very oh, thanks. It's true. We all, right? That's something we're all guilty of. Oh, man, he and I were. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So great. That song reminds me, like, if Randy Newman, if Tom Waits all sat together and got kind of hammered, they might they might have talked <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're making me feel good today. Shit, that was a, a blast of stuff too. I'm, I have, most of that stuff I came up with during the year we were just sitting around. Sure. Well, you came up with some great stuff. Sail on, my friend. I think that's one that I can hear cover versions of that in your future. I'd love to hear that. Oh, a great melody, great song. It's very. It's it kind of. Don't take this the wrong way, but Lou Reed at his most commercial when he was, you know, it was a very doo-wop influence. And it kind of reminds oh, me of yeah. R&B. Thank you, man. Yeah. Man. Very good. 
Um, I'm the guy in the back going, whoa. I do all the background crap, too. <laughs> okay. I wondered about it. I wondered yeah, about it. I play everything but the drums. Well, we'll get come back to that here in a second. Okay, yeah. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say uh, about the record is the agnostic preacher's lament would make George Carlin proud. Oh, man. God, that's, that's really cool. I love, I just love him, man. Yeah, thank well, you. Yeah, I mean, I just, I listened to it twice, man. I, I was really digging it. So, uh, man, you really got something with this record. All of your stuff has been, is good. And uh, our listeners, well, I thank you for to- listening to it, man. I, I really appreciate it. Well, that I, made me feel wanna, good, man. Yeah, well, they, everybody needs to check this out, this record. So go back, and I know just real quickly, you did a record. I My first four records, I mixed at Room and Board with Ray Kennedy, and I know you did a record there. Was that your first yeah. second record? My and, uh, fourth one. Was it your fourth one? Okay. Yeah. Well, I know Ray said he played drums on a song, and I said, man, you didn't play drums on anything. But he might Who have said that? Who? Ray Kennedy, the guy that produced it? Oh, yeah, he did. He He played some drums, yeah. He played a lot on that. I learned a lot from him. I still see him. Yeah, he he's a great he's a great old friend of mine. He's a great guy. Oh man, if you see him before I do, tell him I said hey. He I was going through a horn phase at that time, and he was a lot of help. And I got um, uh, God, I'm Wayne Jackson from the Memphis Horns helped me on that one too. Awesome. Which album? Which album was that? I think it's called Happy New Year. No, Happy to Be Here. Happy to Be Here, yeah. 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 That was back in the old boy days, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those yeah, cats, they're, right. they're still going. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yep. Well, that's great. I mean, awesome. and Al Bonetta seems like a great, seemed like a great guy at the times that I was around him. Oh, uh, man. Really helped Don back in the day. For sure. Oh, um, you, you're saying some, oh, man, I get choked up talking about him. He was such a character, but he also was like this person that really um, helped me helped me a lot with my art, even though he was a manager. Right. Or I thought he did anyway, you know. Sure. Sure. Well, I was going to say, you know, I was, you know, I've always been a fan of your music, Todd, but you really saw, I feel like when you signed to Oh Boy, to me, that's when you really became, uh, I don't know, you just became uh, just, to me, you stood out as a songwriter, you always stood out as a performer, but to me, there was a really kind of a turning of the tide a little bit during that time. Man. Um, I felt like live and on record and everything was just like, you know, really took a big step forward um, from the songwriting perspective. Not that the other songs weren't great before, and they were a little more commercial, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but... I feel like that was kind of the, to me, and I don't know, you tell me, was that, was, is that the case at that time? Can you take us back to the, the you know, kind of the beginning of that, the old boy? Yeah, it was, uh, that was a, a, a real dividing line for me. I had been on the MCA for a few years. I think there was three records. The last one really sounded like Tom Petty and was sort of silly. It, um, and then at the big party for the awards show, I just, I mean, not the awards show, for the show. You know, the night the record comes out and all the press and label and all them. I tell everybody to get fucked. I play one song and tell everybody to get fucked and leave. And uh, get and 
I still don't even remember why it just felt right. You know, I still, I, you know, and then I talked to John, it was on film and I showed it to John and he said, that's fucking amazing. Then he said, uh, asked me, he said, would you have some songs? And I gave him like 17 and like two days later he said, you got one. And that was the beginning of him trying to show me what he could. I don't think it's like, Michael Jordan can't make people better at basketball, but he can, he can teach them some, you know, like there's some things he can show you. That, that's what it felt like. It felt like he was just going to give me a, I guess he called a songwriting lesson, you know, but it's also kind of a life right. lesson too, you know? Yeah. From the mat. Right. So, so did you have to, so that one song, what was that song? Do you remember what it was? Yeah. It's called, I, it was called missing you. And, and it was about my father and it was very true. And he said, that's beautiful. And the rest of this is just, I just sounds like you're trying to win arguments and shit. And then we, you know, then we got real into a, a, and then I started, I had another song called it gets harder to listen to people all the time. And it was about going to AA. And that was the one I felt like I learned the most because it was in a minor. I was taking on a different character. I was, aggravated by these AA people and John was like you're afraid of them you know John was the why are you pretending to be a, a lot he just took this song apart and I redid it as a song called Long Year and when I brought it back he was like you're, you're getting it you know wow that's Very. a great tune too yeah yeah I like that one really good one mm -hmm. well I played it for a guy I played it for Guy Clark and he's like why would you quit drinking to begin with <laughs> and then he's like, "Don't play that again." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, God bless you. That's great. Uh, wow to have a for like John Prine giving you tips and and making you be honest with yourself. I think with what he was. That's what it. That's what it seemed like to me. And then the more he talked to me about that, the more I could see that he he was a vulnerable guy. He didn't look that way to me the first time I saw him. He looked like the king of the world. But the closer I got to him, the, the more I realized what a vulnerable guy he is. But also, in, in, pretty humble and level-headed, for especially oh. for a singer. Especially for a singer. He's one of the sweetest guys I ever met. I got to play on uh, the Mellencamp movie um, Falling from Grace. Yeah, killer. Of all the best. Uh, the first version that was cut of that, actually, before the one. Cousin Cousins? No, this was just all the best, you know, the sometimes. Oh, right. Okay. So, but, so he played it and talk about a lesson in a guy that went out in one take and sang the song and played guitar. And then right on. My, myself, I went out and played drums to it. Larry Crane played guitar. Toby Myers played bass. We played it in one take and that's what's on that record. Damn. Uh, that was most coolest moments of my life. And, and then I got to hang with him a couple of times in Nashville. And I remember leaning up against the cigarette machine at the Bluebird, which that'll tell you how long ago that was. When sure. that was <laughs> yeah. And drinking, uh, drinking beers and him telling me how much he enjoyed me, what I played on that song. He was just one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Really I mean, a lot of people say so too. <laughs> What a sweet guy. And man, what, what a gift he gave you to, he, he felt yeah. like he needed to restart you or something. And sounds like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. 
So, and you did, you st- tell us more about the four years once you, once you got started with that. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been a record you did with at Ray's, maybe. That was the record I did at Ray's. And Ray had heard the songs. And I was like, John says there's only one. And he's like, well, that's, you know, so nine more, man. I threw out the others. I just threw them out and never looked back. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I got, a friend of mine was dying and I got real kind of fucked up for a while. Got into, just kind of drifted out of music for a minute. I, I made a pretty good record. It was called New Connection, but I was more interested in just, um, banging around then at that time and and then the next record i was really back into it and really liked it again and was really starting to feel comfortable in this life and which record was that that was the one that's called east nashville skyline okay. yeah that's a good yeah, yeah 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 a lot of my friends died during the one before and it just kind of jacked my rhythm up yeah sometimes we need to get we got to get away from it sometimes yeah so I know, Todd, you were recently, I believe, and I'm, I don't have the name, right? I don't think it, we were inducted into the, what is the, or, the equivalent of the Oregon Music Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Oh, okay. How about that, so, right? Very good. Right, yeah, that's, that's a, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Take a, take us back to the, when did, you know, take us back to the early, early Todd days. When did, when did it click to you that this is what you were meant to do? And um, why? When I saw Jerry Jeff Walker play alone. I loved music, but to me, it, it happened in basketball arenas until I got out of high school and I moved to Austin. And I, and I was already living on this thing, like what you'd call the sofa circuit. I was a hitchhiker, busker. I wasn't a busker yet, but I was a, uh, just a, at first, I was just a hitchhiker and a freeloader. And I saw Jerry Jeff Walker play alone. And if you've ever seen him, he's just kind of sings about being a hitchhiker and a freeloader. And I went, man, I just, my thought was, if I could get this guitar thing going, it would enhance, it's easier to get a ride with a guitar on your back, I bet. And then I also, he was just playing three, it was the first time I noticed anybody that ever played the guitar way up by the neck the whole time. Like it didn't look as hard as Eddie Van Halen. And it, it just seemed like he was singing about what I was living. I just followed him around for a while and figured out C and F and G. And I was off and running, busking. That's when That's I started amazing. busking. That's great. I always loved your uh, Eddie Van Halen and the Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> one of my favorites. I can oh, still hit know. that lick. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. That's great. No, I was making a list last night of just... Um, you know, but look, we're all in Indiana, and obviously you have a long history with the Bob and Tom show here, and some of your songs are, are you know, not just borderline comedy, but they're straight comedy and hilarious, which I think they're great. Yeah. But I was writing down some of my favorite Todd songs last night, and I'll, I'll just share them with you. Sure. I wrote uh, uh, Tension, yeah. Lonely Girl, I Spoke as a Child, uh, Long Year was on there, I Can't Complain. And it kind of occurred to me that, you know, most of my favorites are, are really those those ones in that singer-songwriter vein and not really necessarily in the in the funny vein so much. Right. A lot of people say that. Yeah. I like that. It's funny to say all those songs. I remember where I was. Well, they're timeless songs. And I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we've talked to a lot of songwriters on this podcast. In fact, yesterday we talked to 
all oh, those guys. It was uh, Danny Kuchmar and uh, uh, who else was on there, guys? Leland Lee Spar uh, and the guys that were did yeah. all James Taylor and Carol King records in the early days. The oh, yeah. yeah, and Chris, we talked to Chris Hillman recently, and I gotta say, man, I mean, when I you know those songs to me, your songs, you know fall into that category with a lot of those great songwriters they definitely do i think uh you know that's to me when i whenever i see you coming through town or coming through the area i'm like of course there he is again it's those and as as, as bubbly as your personality is as great as you are live it's those damn songs and they they haven't died all these years and it's not like you had a number one billboard smash hit to keep you going oh. it's just a the the reason i've always been a big fan i think is because of that those songs are just so good they don't they didn't have to be a hit to to be appreciated and i think that's where right. i just want to say i right. applaud you for for continuing to stick to your guns man thank you regard thank you and song working on a song <laughs> right songwriter myself it's like yeah we're kind of working on that song our whole life the whole fucking time <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with that fucking song. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of truth in that. And uh, another one I, I've always gotten a kick out of since I've, since I've heard is the talking reality television. Way to update the free will and, uh, free will and Bob Dylan talking blue stuff, which, of course, was he got from Woody. But, but yeah, yeah. Man, that's so good. I oh man, you. right on. Did you hear the Tom Jones version? What? I haven't yet, but I just I read about that. He he recorded the re-recorded it, right? Yeah. Yeah, he re-recorded it. Everybody sounds like it says it sounds like Radiohead. I wouldn't know do you I've never heard what I don't know what those guys sound like. But the Tom Jones one just sounded like they were kinda vamping on an A there for a while. He was talking more like not talking blues. They had this groove going. It goes on for like an hour. <laughs> I loved it, though. I fucking loved it. What was it like to get a call that Tom Jones is going to cover one of your songs? You know what? So I'm Spotify. I, I, I sit around. I fuck around on Spotify. No one said anything to me. And then I'm looking at new stuff. Like, show me what's coming out. And Tom Jones has a song called Talking Reality TV Blues. I'm like, no fucking way. I can't believe he. I thought for sure it was going to be something different. And and then uh, I thought, wow, what's the odds of two guys having that title at the same time? Then I put the song on, and, and it, it's not a talking blues song. So I go, yeah, okay, let's see what they did. And then the the song starts, and it's like, just come. He, I forget the first line, but he's like, come gather around, and I'll it's like sing you a song about a crazy old world that was coming along, and it's going. <laughs> Wow, so it's kind of a heavy background thing. Yeah, yeah. I've got it. Well, that had to be a mind blow a little bit, right? I mean, just like, wait a second, that's my song. Yeah, I was happy. I was like, shit, fuck, all right. How? Then I thought, how the fuck does he know this shit? I don't know. I still don't know. Well, he must be <laughs> Yeah. So, I'm, 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 I can dig him. Yeah. That's great. That's great. We're going to shift gears a little bit to talk artwork for a little bit, and I'll let Hugh uh, Hugh step in here. Sure. Uh, yeah. Hi, Todd. How yeah, are you? Yeah. 
this is one of those areas where it's it's either just completely perfect as a as a topic of conversation i look at your covers and i see a lot of you which makes sense because you are a singer songwriter like like uh, tom waits or a or a james taylor so it makes total sense that you have a lot of personality covers but i only see a few like stoner fables and and uh Peace Queer, was it? I think it's called Peace Queer, and also The Devil You Know, where you kind of delve into imagery. You delve yeah. into kind of a whimsical or an interpretive kind of cover, a conceptual cover. How much do you have to do with your covers, or do you kind of not care about them? I get kind of into the artwork, and then the cover thing, usually I'll try to maybe if it's going to be a picture of me, uh, and then maybe I'll let somebody else pick it. But like the one, the dog, my, the picture of me and the dog, I drew that at a bar. My manager and I were thinking of what the cover should be like, and I drew it on a napkin, just like Spinal Tap. Was like I drew it on a napkin, like something like this. And then we were like, well, yeah. why not just use this? Well, some of my best covers were drawn on napkins, too, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to begin with. And then my wife did the other, my ex-wife painted that devil, you know. I'm sorry I interrupted you too much. My, my ex-wife That's did okay. that devil, you know thing. That's a great little painting. I, that's, that's why I was asking. There seems to be so much kind of thought and care in that cover. Yeah. And then you go back to kind of the more person and personalities. Obviously, they do work. I mean, a lot of a lot of musicians have placed themselves on the cover with yeah with, with no no issue and no problem. Uh, how much has artwork through your whole life as a consumer, as someone who right. went to the record store as when you go to the record store, do you, are you drawn into music because of? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And I'll tell you when I first started that first record I did, nobody really asked me, you know, and, but I had written these liner notes and I gave them to them and they, they, and I was into liner notes because Jerry Jeff Walker did cool liner notes, but that picture, I kind of never understood it. You know, it was like a picture of my nose. And then the next record, I had more control because the first record had done good. And I went up to this cabin with my friend and created that whole second one. And they just hated it. They were like, this is the worst. Because it, it's supposedly not supposed to be busy or whatever. And I didn't want to be, yeah. I didn't want to be in it. I, anyway, that one was kind of fun. And the third one, I'll say I'm just running through them. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of ones that were particularly cool. Oh, the Peace Queer one I liked a lot. It's very cool. I like it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, apart from the title being extraordinarily cool. Thank <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. That was a weird time in America and had all these songs like that. And the, I think there's a band called The Fugs that said had a play with a line yeah. about having to kill some Peace Queers. <laughs> and I thought that'd be good. And that was my engineer, Eric, my my, co my producer or engineer buddy on the porch. We, uh, that picture was for Engineer Magazine. And would you believe they rejected it? So, uh, we used, I would believe it. <laughs> we used it for the cover. I've had some alternative versions of my covers be required by different venues like Walmart. Even entire countries have, have dismissed my artwork because oh god what'd you do man well there was there was a pretty visceral cover for iron maiden that didn't appeal to everyone it was intended to be unsettling and it was wait um, I you, did did it, you did it i'm just starting to get my head around this okay so which maiden record are we talking about man? 
And you paint this stuff? factor with the torture. Well, this oh, was so all sculptural. I, I built that whole thing, and I sculpt. Eddie had always been painted through all of it. X-Factor was the name of that one, yeah. Yep. And, and they came to me after I had done uh, um, Euthanasia with all the babies on the clothesline for Megadeth. And uh, Iron Maiden said, well, we want to we change our game a little bit. So they came to me. They wanted to feature Eddie, but they didn't want it to be airbrushed or illustrative. They wanted it more real. So the only way to do that was for me to sculpt it and have it, uh, you know, photographed and and be a believable entity so but it, it was pretty rough because his whole torso was kind of missing at the bottom with with his his entra entrails straddling the uh the table the oh, drainage fuck, yeah i'm the looking table. at it right now hot damn <laughs> yeah it's a little intense huh? yeah fuck <laughs> yeah that'd be fun to do shit like that how do you get this gig <laughs> so if you ever want to be seen on your cover um your entrail thing and out that's what I was just thinking. Now I got to hustle you into doing one for me, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be my honor, man. I would be, you know, I don't have to cut you off at the torso and make <laughs> it a good album. We can certainly, and I do love whimsy, and I do love taking a great title or great words to a place where you might least expect them to go. Sometimes it's nice to um, respond to words in yeah. an unlikely way. Which I dig it. Yeah, it's who you are too. It's the way you are, and the and your word your words are you know they're they're pretty remarkable. As Dane was saying earlier, you you say things that matter. <clears throat> That's task number one, but saying it well is is the other task, and you do it beautifully. Yeah, man, thank you. That makes me. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying this conversation, man. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna look into all your shit now. Right after we get done talking, you're listening to people who really appreciate the you know the tom waits and the joni mitchells and the real true wordsmiths of the world and uh yeah you you are amongst that echelon for sure man thank you yeah and i want to play drums on your next record man yeah far out let's do it you see i got a studio that's what we put on the cover of our new one it's just a picture of the little purple building we were having our sunday's churches in during that pandemic oh, yeah. we did a we did a sunday service for god a little like a like a telethon you know people give us money and uh then made up a whole album out that's where that the new album was we would just do our little shows on sunday and then hang around i wanted to ask you more about you know the pandemic time for you because you're a guy that's never off the road for the most part never. that had to be yeah. a mind blow for you like uh, how'd you handle that uh it wasn't easy you know, I had I, that's the longest I'd been. So, like after about two months, it was the longest I'd been in one place for twenty five years, and it drove me crazy. I talked to Ramblin' Jack on the phone some. Uh, we and then we did those uh, did those panels. All my all my heroes died too, right during it, and my dog died too, right in the middle of it. Oh. Billy Joe Shaver, John Prine, Jerry Jeff Walker, and um, yeah, it was a tough time. And a couple of my uh, music friends took themselves out right before all that. God, I sometimes wish if they'd have just made it to the pandemic. So it was a lot of like grief. It's funny on the album. You, it sounds like uh, we're just trying to talk ourselves out of this hole or chant ourselves out of that hole. It was like, it doesn't sound as dark as it was. We were trying to be like light or have, we we're try, trying to win. We talk about a great chance. Never let a day go by. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I love that one. 
that's at the top of a Jerry Jeff Walker record. Right before he died, we were talking on the phone all the time, and one of his records, just you can hear it as a side, like the before he, someone's about to count it in, and you hear him say, never let a day go by. And I knew what he meant, but I called him up and asked him, and then also turned me loose. I'll never be the same. I got that from him, too. Oh, wow. He, he said, oh, rodeo cowboys used to say it. And then God fucking died right while I was, you know, I knew he was sick, but he didn't give me any, I didn't know how sick, you know, I hadn't like talked to him the day before. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, well, you, I've been working with a, a producer on a potential project, which is going to celebrate the Everly song. You know, all you got to do is dream. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite quotes from Oscar Wilde is we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. I think, I think he's pretty remarkable about how he sees the world, but that certainly speaks to the circumstances that you're, that you were living through. I guess we were all living through during that yeah. two years. Now we've well, come out and done, we're like, we've been on the road since August. We don't stop. We've done 59 shows in the last, what, 70 days, 75 days. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm in Eureka Maybe. Springs now. Yeah. What was that feeling like stepping back on the stage? He, yeah, well, they were all so excited to see each other. It was really weird. That first round of applause seemed like, uh, like what the fuck? You know, it's just a concert. <laughs> just walking out and the whole right. thing starting. It was like everybody was hugging and and then uh, yeah. And now it's kind of back like it was. I I, I like it better when they're there. I enjoyed those Sunday things, though. They're cool. I'd do them again someday. Yeah. I can relate. I was at my son, my oldest son, and I went and saw the Black Crows this summer. Oh, right man. About the time people started doing shows again. Yeah. That's my and I was that's excited to see them. That's my band, man. Oh, yeah, man. That's my band. Right? Yeah. That's, I've seen, I saw that show twice. I think those oh, two were amazing. So he's amazing. Chris is, to me, he's my son, my generation's top lyric guy to me, and also band leader. What those guys yeah. do is astonishing to me. And that guy tried to write that book that made him look bad, and it just made me like him even more. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guitar player, steals the band's bus. You know? Uh, Fuck, if that's not mm. a good time, you know? If you're going to have a rock band, and you want to sound like you might have a guy in it that might steal a bus, you just, you kind of have to. Mm. Yeah, that's rock and roll, baby. That's rock and roll. But, if I was in that band, I'd have been like, our guitar players kick ass. Right. When Rich came out and played the beginning of Twice as Hard, it was like everybody, it, everybody always celebrates the beginning of a concert anyway, but it was like, it, I hadn't experienced the beginning of a show like that. Well, I just felt this like, this pouring over the audience. Like, Me too. We're back. <laughs> Me too. And it was such yeah. a great song to start with. And he comes out from behind that umbrella. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love that show. I think they're going to go. Good. I talked to him not long ago. I think they're going to go back. I think they're going to go to Europe now. Yeah, well, they should. Hey, Todd, when are you coming by uh, this neck of the woods? I think in a, oh, next weekend. I'm doing Bob and Tom. Yeah, you're in. Next say you're, Friday. Yeah, you're around. Next, okay. next Thursday, yeah. I'm going to be on the show, yeah. But mm -hmm. how about uh, a concert? Uh, how about a show in this area? The same night, Vogue. Is it the Vogue that, that night? night? Yeah. The Vogue. Yeah, come down wow. and say hi, all of you, man. I'd love to meet you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a plan, man. Yeah, come on. I'd love to meet all three of you. Awesome. Done. We're in. I got one last question that we always ask. What was your first 
concert as a fan that you bought a ticket to? Oh yeah, yeah. Let me think. Um, in in high school, my brother and I saw Eric Clapton. I think that was my first concert, and it was where the Portland Trailblazers played. It was cool. One time I started seeing concerts in two thousand seaters and three thousand seaters. So I really got bit by music. Right. What was that first show that you saw in your memory that 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 did that to you? Jerry Jeff. I saw him alone at mm. at Green Hall. Just it was packed to the gills and he was late and everybody was talking about how he might not even be there and I thought what is this what and he comes in the front door with his guitar on his shoulder just walks through everybody walks up on there totally gets away with it for 90 minutes pours his heart out totally for real but also just also not losing you know a gypsy song man as soon as I saw that I'm like that's that's what I am what year was that 85 or 86 so yeah and then i then after that it was prime the closest thing i'd seen to it before was Mellencamp. but again he was a huge star and i couldn't get my head around landing that job but i could get my head around green hall and i'm playing there in a couple months it'll be packed maybe i'll show up late and fuck in through the front door (laughs) (laughs) i think you should why not (laughs) might as well well those guys are gone now and you're carrying on their tradition. So, uh, you, you know what you're, I'd say walk right in that front door. <laughs> I'm going to do it, man. And check out all those young kids coming up behind me. There's a girl. Well, there's a guy, Aaron Lee Tashin, amazing little troubadour, Chicago farmer. And there's a girl, Sierra Farrell. That is my favorite troubadour period. Fuck. She's going to be huge. Well, it doesn't even matter what she does. You should hear her. It's, it's uh, really special. I had a, sh- I had a couple shows uh, with uh, Aaron, actually, uh, this summer. Yeah. And uh, he I, I had emailed them and asked them to do some, you know, how promoters like me will email you. Say, hey, give us a little shout-out video clip so yeah. we can promote the show. Yeah. You know, and I know how you guys love doing that, right? <laughs> I don't mind. Fuck. Aaron was Aaron was playing Kokomo, Indiana. So you know, I sent him a note. Hey, will you do this for the show? He said, no problem. So he sends back this video clip of him singing the Beach Boys Kokomo. <laughs> yeah, good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that's perfect. I loved it. So no, he's he's awesome. Though, you're right. Well, I love that young man. I'm rooting for him too. Like, sometimes in Nashville, we have guitar poles out at my house, or they have them all over the place. And the fucking the young people now, it's. I think it's kind of a cool thing to be a troubadour now, or at least uh, there's a, what do they say? Sometimes in the, they're having an integrity scare in Nashville. Not too bad though. I saw the, <laughs> I saw those awards last night. I had a hard time watching that. That's just not yeah, my kind I of can't stuff. That's a great album title. Don't, don't lose that one. <laughs> right on. Integrity storm. You could do you could do that with it with the integral, you know, with coming out like the redo the redo the cover there for him, Hugh. Right <laughs> on. You could say integrity storm or scare. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great title. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else we need to know? Let's see. Uh, tell uh, Miss, tell John Cougar Mountcamp I want to make up a get a songwriting lesson from him someday. Wow. Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, what could I even do? I don't have enough money for it. Um, oh, fuck it. Well, tell him I love him. <laughs> tell him I love him. <laughs> and thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on. 
No, thanks for joining us, Todd. It was a pleasure. Great great meeting you, Todd. All right, I'll see you guys. All the best, Mike. achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.